you, are you good? You all right? Oh, man. That would have been amazing. Um, so uh, for those of you that weren't here last night, just a quick update. My name's Darren. We've got three kids. There's a tall one named Hudson. He's 13. There's a, a, a 10-year-old, Max. He skates. Uh, Reese is from another country. She's uh, 10-ish, from what we can tell. Uh, that's my family. My wife's hot. She plays guitar. Uh, she's got a lot of tattoos, and um, life's good. So last night, here's what we talked about. Um, we talked about this idea of uncommon community and hashtag cuckoo heads. <laughs> if you weren't here last night, get it trending. You don't have to know what it's about. Just get it trending. Just tag everything with it. Come on, do it. It's for me. It's for the kids. Um, so last night, here's what we talked about, this idea of uncommon community. We talked about, hey, here's what we're, here's what we're after. Okay, And I know um, you guys have been talking about it in your groups a little bit. You've been talking about this idea of uncommon community and having uncommon relationships and real relationships that matter, right? That that's what we, that's what we were wired for. The, the very first conflict, the very first dilemma in the Bible, you remember what it was? It wasn't the tree. It wasn't the fruit. That wasn't first. The very first conflict, the very first issue in the Bible, it says that God looked down at man, and man was alone, and he didn't want man alone. The very first conflict in the Bible was that we were alone. And he creates, whoa, man. And things got interesting. Right? Real interesting. Good, and then a little bad, then kind of bad, and then good again, but... Right, This idea that we were created for real, intimate relationships that matter. So what we did last night, we looked at the, this idea in the Bible that uh, before, we, before we really have uh, these relationships that matter with others, um, we have to have this relationship that matters with God, and we get that through Jesus. And Jesus, what he came to do is break down all these walls. In fact, the, 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 the term last night in the passage was that there were walls of hostility between us and God, and that Jesus came to break those down, right? And that's what we spent our time talking about last night. So this morning, um, what we're talking about is, is once that wall is broken down between ourselves and God. He allows these walls to be broken down between us and others. And that's where we're going to spend our, our time this morning, is just talking about what would it look like, what would it look like in your life if you had these real uncommon relationships, this real uncommon community with the people around you. So we're going to be in the book of Ephesians again. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians for just a minute. Then we're going to uh, uh, hop back over to Galatians because there's a passage there that I want us to look at. Okay, So if you've got your Bible or if you've got your screen or if your app or whatever you brought with you today, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, there's six verses here in Ephesians that are going to set this up. We talked about this last night. Remember, Ephesians is, is a letter that Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus because they couldn't communicate any other way. If you wanted to tell a whole bunch of people something, you had to write a letter, and then a church leader would sit around, and he'd read the letter in front of all of the church. And that's what we've got here in Ephesians. And here's what he says in chapter 4. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life of worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Watch this. Always be humble and gentle. 
Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. See, here's what Paul was dealing with in a lot of these early churches that he helped get going. Paul was dealing with a group of people that came from a bunch of diverse backgrounds. Many of them pagan backgrounds. Many of them came from believing in either no God or some weird God that was made out of a tree or a rock or something, or just some idea. And so these people came together and they had all these different belief systems. And one of the things they struggled with the most was being unified with each other. Having, having the same drive, having the same passions, having the same focus. This was difficult. right? This is why when your teacher says this is going to be a group assignment, many of you panic. Because you assume the other four people in your group are idiots. Or that's your assumption. And those other four idiots are assuming the same thing about you. That's just how group assignments go, right? That's what was going on back in the day, man. It was a bunch of people who had come together, found Jesus, but they just didn't quite, they just weren't on the same page. They weren't going the same direction. And so Paul spent a lot of his letters addressing these kind of things about being unified. So in this particular passage to the Ephesians, he says a few things. He says, be humble, be gentle, be patient with each other. And this is one of my favorite little uh, sentences in the Bible. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And then he says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. And that's what I want us to, to grab a hold of this morning. Are we making every effort to be united in the Spirit. Okay, and we're about to see why that matters. If we're going to have uncommon community, we've got to be making every effort we can to be united and to stay connected. So if you still got that same Bible, that same phone, or the same screen, we're going to flip over to uh, Galatians, okay, chapter 5-ish. Okay, in Galatians chapter 5, we have this very, very familiar passage of Scripture for those of you that have been in church a long time. It is called the fruit of spirit. That's not the answer the middle school, junior high kids gave me. They gave me several other options that you won't find in the Bible. I don't really know what they were talking about, to be real honest with you. They had a weird, they ate a bunch of donuts. This girl was sitting up front, kept talking to me like it was just the two of us in the room. It was a weird hour. I got to be real honest with you. It was just a, a lot of strange stuff happening with me last hour. So I just need to say right now, it is good to be with high school students who understand the difference between there's a communicator talking and, hey, I bet that guy's going to be my best friend. Maybe he's my real dad. No, look, that's, that was not, it wasn't the case. Okay? I'm telling you, dude, for 40 minutes she talked to me. Pull, look, no, 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 no. I'll play it out. She's, this was a seat she chose. Pulled her chair up. Had her foot on the stage. And was just talking to me. Just talking to me. Everything I said. She was like, yeah. And I tried my best to like, like pretend it wasn't happening. Like this is just a bad. Like, like Tim or Dave like made her. This, this is some kind of skit they're doing with me. They're trying to. Get me rattled, but man, it was, 
disturbing. I mean, there's part of me that liked it, but still. Okay. Back to the story. Just had to throw that out there. That's just kind of what I'm coming out of right now, guys. If you could just nod and do this every now and then, it would help me feel a little better. Thank you. A little group precipitation always helps. So here's what's happening. Galatians. Uh, different church, different town, same issues. Right? That's why if you read through a lot of Paul's letter, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, read through these letters, you, you find these, it's almost like it's the same letter. It's just kind of maybe sometimes the order's different or something. Because it's the same issues with all these people. A group of people who had all come together because of Jesus. It's the thing that united them. But they honestly had no clear direction of what they were supposed to be doing. This particular church in Galatia, they were kind of off to a rough start as a church. In fact, a lot of their church had kind of drifted back into doing some things that they'd been doing before. And so Paul's letter to the Galatians is a, is a little stronger tone at times. In fact, here's what he says to them in verse, uh, in verse 19. Here's what he says. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Wow, that's, that's quite the exhaustive list that he threw out there, right? Because this is the stuff that he was trying to warn these guys about. He paints this picture of, hey, look, hey, those of you that are followers of Jesus, there's this battle going on right now. And it's between your sinful self and what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. You know, we've all seen the cartoons where the little devil over here, little angel over here. That's a very simplified version of what Paul was talking about. He was saying, as a believer, your sinful nature and yearnings and desires don't automatically disappear. And that freaks out a lot of new believers. Because a lot of us take that initial step to begin to follow Jesus, and then we start dealing with the same junk, right? We, we, we see our girlfriend the weekend after we get back from camp, and I'll be that gum if you don't have those same desires you had the week before camp. Those don't go away because we're believers, right? They're still there. So Paul is going, hey, look, that's still there. You've got your sinful nature is still trying to drag you down, still trying to destroy you, but then you've got the Holy Spirit's help. Right? And a list like that, what's awesome about a list like this is most of us can probably, if we, if we slowly go down through the list, we can find one or two things that we struggle with. Right? Maybe your issue is not sexual immorality. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just lustful pleasures or idolatry. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably not sorcery. I, I, don't, I don't feel like that's a big felt need right now. Is could you deliver me from sorcery? Like, I don't think, like, if Dave had Sorcery Sunday one week, like, it would be like a really packed house. Like, yes, deliver us from Sorcery. It's just not a real heavy issue, I wouldn't think. I don't know. Maybe some of you are. Maybe you're super into that, uh, what's his name, Harry Potter guy, and you just think you're a wizard or something. Um, hostility. Uh, but see, we move right from sorcery, where most of us don't have the issue. I'm not a sorcerer. Pretty big deal, I'm not a sorcerer. Then we hit Hostility. And I wonder how hostile things are with your parents sometimes. Because I know my, my own kid had a pretty hostile situation yesterday with his parent. And it was me. And I was creating much of the hostility, to be real honest with you. Right? I'm no sorcerer, but at times I'm very hostile when I let my sin nature take over. 
And he goes on quarreling or fighting with each other or jealousy or outburst of anger. None of you have that, I'm sure. That's the kids who aren't here today, right? The kids down the street at the other church, they're the ones that deal with the outburst of anger, not us. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, And then in case none of those hit you, he throws out this clause and other sins like these. I like Paul going, hey, if you think you if you think you checked all the boxes off and there's some more stuff that you're probably doing, because that's just kind of who we are. We're we're we have a sin nature. But here's what I want. Here's what I want to, to hit on right here before we move on. Verse 19, before he gives the list, he says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And the results of following our sinful nature, when it comes to the relationships that we find ourselves in, the results are catastrophic. There's a Category 5, 4-ish, it kind of keeps teetering back and forth, hurricane off the coast, off, off out in the... Uh, uh, I guess it's the Atlantic, headed for Florida right now. And Florida is freaking out. Because if that thing makes landfall at the level it's at right now, it's going to cause catastrophic damage. It is going to wreck shop. And that's what this list does in our relationships. If we live under the influence of our sinful nature, it will destroy our relationships. Like sexual immorality has never made a marriage healthier. Like there's never been a wife who was so glad her husband went out and cheated on her because it has really bonded them together. That doesn't happen. Quarreling and dissension and division has never made a church healthier. In fact, it's the one thing that destroys the church is division. Picking teams and sides and fighting amongst each other. And Paul knows this about the church. They were a little bitty infant church. They were not very old. And he's going, look, if we follow our sinful nature, it's going to destroy the influence that Jesus has in your community. But then he says this, ah, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patient. Oh, by the way, when I was reading this, this was also the time she was, she was reciting these along with me. So if you want to join in, if you know the words to the song, you can. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <laughs> you, you guys are funny. There is no law against these things. So here's the list. Right? Paul says this, if you want to have uncommon community and influence on the other people around you, you live under the control of the Holy Spirit, and here's what that's going to look like in your life. And the first thing he says is love. This is the biggie, right? Because this is what Jesus told his followers actually mattered. Remember? Right before he's arrested, right before he's killed, He gathers his crew around and he says, look, here's the deal. He says, 
the world is going to know that you are my followers by your love for one another. That's what Jesus said. That's what he chose to say to his followers right before his arrest. That the world will know that you are mine because of your love for one another. Not because of your church attendance or your small group participation or the amount of mission trips that you find yourself on or the fancy gold joy. None of that. He said the world will know your mind by your love for one another. And if we're going to have uncommon community, and this is a no-brainer, you don't have to be some preacher in a church like I am to get up and, and know this. We have to love each other. Number two thing he says is joy. Right? When we get the fruit, when the fruit is in our life, when the Holy Spirit is living within us, we will have joy toward the people around us and around the people around us. Now, here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about you're going to be happy all the time. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul isn't saying if you live under the Holy Spirit's presence, you're just going to be happy all the time. There were times where Paul really struggles. In fact, there's a list that he lists off. He goes, hey, let me tell you what's gone on with me. And he talks about all the time he's been shipwrecked and all the time he's been beaten and all the time he's been thrown in prison. Now, every time that happened, he wasn't just grinning and high-fiving everybody. There were times where we find that he's in jail and he's singing songs and it's driving everybody nuts. Of course it would, right? But as a believer, we don't have to always be happy. I had a high school girl in my very first youth group ever. Very first youth group ever had this high school girl. We'll call her Jennifer because that was her name. Okay. Um, <laughs> but Je Jennifer, Jennifer was one of these kids who thought in order to please God, she had to be happy all the time regardless. And let me just say straight up, as her youth pastor, she was annoying. Because it drove everyone crazy because she, did, she never really seemed to feel anything. She just always seemed to try to be happy. She'd walk in her room. Hey, guys. Hope everybody's having a great day. I've just been so blessed by the Lord today. He's just blessed me so much. And at first you're going, well, yeah, that's exactly how we should, that should be our attitude. But the problem was when bad things were happening around her, she would not even acknowledge it. Like you could light her pants on fire. And she would just be like, well, you know, the Lord invented fire. And if this is for his glory, then he can just burn my pants for his glory. No, stop, drop, and roll, Jennifer. Use your brain, sis. So we don't have to be happy all the time. We don't have to fake it. People around us aren't wanting a fake happiness. Here's what they want. They want to know that there's people around them that have a joy in something that's deeper than their circumstances. And we as believers have a joy because of whose we are. Not because of what is happening around us. And so Paul is saying, hey, what the fruit of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have a joy because of whose you are. And then he says, the third thing he says, uh, he says, love, joy, peace. And the Bible talks about, in fact, Jesus said it in this thing called the Beatitudes. He said this thing here. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. And this is critical at your age right here that you guys grab a hold of this. Um. Because it's super easy to fall into the trap right now of always getting involved in the drama. 
Now, everyone in here is thinking right now, I don't get involved in the drama. I leave the drama for you. You know that one. Like, all of you are thinking that right now. But I bet if you'd all give me your Instagram account names and your Twitter account names and your Facebook account names and your Snapchat account names, and I went through, say, the last six months of your lives, I'm guessing many of you jumped into some drama that wasn't even about you. You just dove right into it. You just backed up to the end of the diving board. You did some stretches. You looked, nodded at the judges. And you haul off and you sprang right up off that thing. And you just dove right in the middle of it. And said, hey everybody, how can I help? Because I heard she said such and such to so and so. It's what I heard. I was just checking the Twitter machine just yesterday. And it came right on out. And I thought maybe you hadn't seen it. So I thought just for your benefit, I'd set it out there for you. So you can do something with it. For your benefit, because I love you. No, it ain't because you love them. It's because you want to get involved in the drama. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. If we're going to have uncommon community, we've got to step into the drama and go, hey, this is not how we're going to operate. We're going to take care of one another. We're going to say nice things about each other. We're going to stop making accusations that aren't true. We're going to stop the spreading of rumors. That's what a peacemaker does. Love, joy, peace, patience. Ah, shoot. Patience. Um, those of you that are driving now. Yeah, see what I did? I didn't even finish the sentence. I can go on to the next one. Like, I don't even have to elaborate on patience now, do I? Because some of y'all, even at this age, you've been driving a whopping like four months. And you've already figured out the rules of the road. Everyone driving slower than you is an idiot. Everyone that passes you driving faster than you is a reckless moron. Like you already know that. And you have no patience for it at all. Like somehow you're driving Jesus miles per hour all the time. You're, all, you're always right. This is the proper speed the Lord would want. It's in Hebrews. No, <laughs> it's not. It is not. <laughs> we don't have patience with anybody. You don't have patience. Look, 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 look. We don't have patience with our younger siblings because we have forgotten that we were young, once the younger sibling. We don't have patience with our parents because we've taken a few classes and now we know everything about everything. Even though your parents are struggling to keep their bills paid and to keep food in the refrigerator, we have no patience for them. See, this is a biggie that if we don't grab a hold of this now, guess what you're going to turn into? You're going to turn into the adults that I talk to every Sunday morning that have no patience with their co-workers and have no patience with their children. Remember what we read about in Ephesians in 4.2. It says, make allowances for each other's faults. When we live by the Holy Spirit, He gives us the power to not lose our mind once somebody's not doing something the way we want them to do it, but we have the, a power within us to go, you know what? That bugs me, what you're doing right now. But I'm not going to hold that against you. Next thing. 
kindness. See, most of this is good. Whew, I'm glad we moved on from patience. Kindness. Woo! Because I am kind. Right? The opposite of kindness is, is, is meanness. Right? So that's the scale. Meanness being one, kindness being ten. Right? If the people around us don't see us as the eights, nines, and tens because we're living with the power of the Holy Spirit and we're being kind, then we will have very little influence at all in their lives. We will have no uncommon community if they see us as non-caring and mean. I got I got a friend of mine who's a, a grown up, and he wants he wants the best for the people around him. But just honestly, he's just mean to them, and he does it in like Jesus name, like I love you, so I'm going to yell at you that I love you. Look, I don't know how many of you would accept the homecoming invitation, no matter how fancy the poster, if it's in all caps and they're screaming it at you. I think you're sweet. I think we should meet. Let's go homecoming. You know, and the poster's got cupcakes and stuff on it because he said the word sweet and he thought that was crafty. That's going to get it done. But if we're yelling at nobody cares. We have to be kind and soft. This is the one thing that my wife reminds me that I'm inadequate at on a very continuous basis. Because she says to me, you know what, Darren? I just, I just wish you were um, just softer to me sometimes. Because I have a tendency just to go, hey, if we need to go from here to there, let's just go from here to there. There's no need to hug about it. Let's just get from, if we're hugging, we're not getting from here to there. Let's just get over there. Come on, let's go. Everybody get in the car. Everybody get in the car. You knew we were leaving today. I don't care if you got shoes on. Get in the car. You know every day you need shoes. You should wake up. You should put them on your feet. That's just common sense. Let's get in the car. We're going shoe or shoeless. It doesn't matter to me. Let's go. A to B. She says, she says, Darren, you lose us when you're not soft with us. And you get that? You lose us. If we're trying to have uncommon community, We've got to be aware of the times where we're losing the people around us because of how we're being toward them. Next thing. We're about done. Uh, goodness. Goodness is another one for, uh, another word for goodness is generous. And what I like about what, what Dave and Tim and those guys and your, your leaders and stuff around here are doing is they are, tr- they are teaching you, training you to be generous people by doing the food drop stuff out there. That is teaching you that life is more than about getting what you want. Right? Paul wanted the early church, he wanted the early church to be a group of people that gave of themselves to others because that matters to people. Next thing, faithfulness. Okay, this isn't talking about, in this passage, faithfulness isn't I have a faith in Jesus or I have a strong faith in God or I believe God is who he says he is. This is talking about being people that do what they say they're going to do. You're faithful to the people around you. So if you say you're going to be there at such and such time, you show up at such and such time. If you say you're going to take somebody to the store or take somebody to the movies, you're going to take them to the store, you're going to take them to the movie. If you tell your parents you're going to do something that they've asked you to do, you're going to do it. Not put it off until you know you, you hit the threshold because you all know your parents' threshold. You all know when they really mean it. Like every parent has like a really mean it moment. 
Like for me, I'll I won't do this, but I and I mentally do this, okay? Like if, if I've said take out the garbage three times, I mentally like go straight up like karate kid Chuck Norris kick the trash can mentally. And I kick the trash can and all the trash goes all over the kitchen. Mentally I'm doing it. I'm doing it in my head mentally because if I ever did it, like for real, I think they'd just move out. I just think they'd leave. I think they would take the dog, Bailey, who's an idiot, and they would just, they would just, they would leave. We have to be faithful. We have to be people of our word. Paul was telling this early church, hey, early church, there's a lot of people right now wondering if what you have is real. And when you talk to those people and you do negotiations with those people and you do deals and business with those people, you better be the kind of people that means what you say. So are we like that with our teachers? Are we like that with our classmates? Are we like that with our teammates, with our coaches? Gentleness. Very close to kindness. Are we gentle with people and where they are? Because there's a lot. Look, look, look. You may be one of these, and I'm guessing there's many of you in here that are. You may be super broken right now, and something is is really tough in your life. Like things have not uh, gone as planned. And stuff is happening in your life that you really can't comprehend. You don't know how you're going to get through it. You don't know how you're going to get over it. And if it's not you, good look, the, the, the people that you surround yourself with, the relationships you've had, I can, I can promise you there's people like that in your group. Are we being gentle with them? Are we being gentle with our words and with our actions, with our attitudes, our responses toward them? I did this just yesterday, and Hudson's here, and I, I don't, I'm not going to embarrass him. He's in the other room, but I did this just yesterday. Like I told you last night, we were at a skate contest all day long yesterday. From 8 o'clock in the morning, I left. we left there at 4 o'clock just to get up here right in time to get here. And Max had already done his runs. He had an awesome run. He got in the finals. He'd already done the finals, and they were just getting ready to, um, to announce the, the winners the top three guys. And I said, Hudson, we have to go. And he, he was just real bummed out about it. And he was, you know, kind of doing what all you guys do when you got to leave something you don't want to leave. And he was just kind of slow poking around and, you know, dilly-dallying, go get your skateboard, come on, get your stuff. I got to go. I need you to hurry. I just need you to hurry. Can you hurry? Just need you to hurry. And he didn't want to hurry. And we got in the truck and I just lost it on him. Like went full-blown like crazy man lost it. And about 20 miles down the road, he said, Dad, did you ever just think that I, I didn't want to leave because I've been sitting there all day long watching my little brother try his best and I just wanted to stay and see how he did? And even now, um, I missed it. I missed an opportunity to be gentle Instead, I was worrying about me and my schedule and what I had to do. And I missed what was going on with him. Last one, self-control. Um, self-control is the ability to do this, to look around you and based upon what you know is right or wrong, push the pause button on your life regardless of how you feel. And make the right choice and say the right things and have the right attitude. You get that? You have to push pause to have self-control. 
if we walk around and we run, we're ruled by our, our emotions and our situations, look, and we don't push pause, we're never going to do what we know we actually need to do. We're just going to do what we feel like doing. What our heart, I just want to do what my heart says. My heart's just telling me this. Well, the Bible says your heart is the most deceitful part of you. It's maybe not the part we need to listen to all the time. Self-control, he said. I'm going to leave you with two things as we talk about uncommon community. Number one, fruit has to be connected to the tree to develop. Remember, this is talking, this is fruit of the Spirit. Fruit has to be connected to the tree to develop. It needs the tree. As we are the believers and this fruit is being developed in our lives, we've got to keep ourselves right here, first of all, connected to God's Word. Second of all, connected to God's people. This is critical. The groups that you're in, the stuff you do on Wednesdays is of utmost importance that you continue to develop the way Jesus wants you to develop and have an uncommon community that he wants you to have. The second thing is this. You ready? Fruit is not for the tree. It's for the hungry. Fruit doesn't produce fruit, so everybody looks. Oh, trees don't produce fruit, so everybody looks at the tree and goes, what a beautiful fruit tree. Trees produce fruit because fruit is food for people that need food. These aren't a list of things that if we'll do these things, it's going to make God grin and happy and pat us on the back and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's saying this, through the Holy Spirit's power, these things that we just talked about are for the people around us that are hungry. And my guess is we all have people around us that need to be loved more that need joy, and that need peace that the Bible says is beyond understanding, that need somebody to be patient with them and kind, gentle, and faithful, good, and self-controlled because fruit, what God is producing in us is for the hungry. God, I thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this weekend, and God, I just pray that you help us um, especially these high school students right now at this stage of their lives, to begin to understand that, that, um, God, that, that, that what you want to do in their lives matters because the people around them matter. They matter to you. Each and every one of them matter to you. And may we be a people that we do have uncommon community, that we have uncommon relationships, and that those relationships even draw more people into those relationships. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.